Styles upon styles upon styles, I got several Wanna be wild cause I live like a dead devil Live it up, hit em up, that's a scenario Tupac, I get around like a merry go rooftop I am on top of the pedestal, flu shot I am so sick, I need medical, rooftop I learned that shit down in Mexico The rhythm, the rebel New and improve, I be on a new level That's how we do it, we build it like Lego Feel on a fire, you're dealing with fuego Can't stop, I am addicted, I never quit Won't stop, don't need to speak to no therapist Don't stop, keeping it moving is the narrative Don't stop, do it like whoop, there it is This, this is the Дорогие радиослушатели Capital FM Меня зовут Олег Тиньков Я вас призываю учить английский Я вот начал учить английский и заработал много денег Пока я его не учил, я был очень бедный А когда я стал учить английский, я стал сразу богатым Учите английский, спасибо Capital FM, Москва Зачем просто слушать музыку, если можно еще и учить английский? Capital FM, Welcome to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I hope you can hear us loud and clear. We had a little bit of a dodgy moment there because we switched it over and I don't know if anybody heard us, but I'm sure you can right now. So, folks, um, I... I hear, well, I hear myself, and that's the most important thing, I guess. Um, so, away we go, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's Sunday night, and it's Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I'm Alan Moore, and back with us in the studio is Double N. He'll be keeping the calls flowing, and of course, the results rolling. So, strap in for the very best views, you news, reviews, interviews, and previews in the world of sports. And listen, we have some cracker for you tonight. Right now, the English League Cup is going on. It is still it's crunching it's crunching to an end uh, there's not much left actually in the game uh, just a little over 10 minutes it is 2-1 to Man City to Pep Guardiola's Man City against of course Aston Villa the kind of the um, let's just say fairy tale team that has gone through okay so d- double end he's going to keep us updated updated on that okay the newly named Tinkoff Russian Premier League stumbled back into life this weekend and a short while ago the 20th round of course of the uh, competition because there's not that much left it it ended with a 1-0 away win for Arsenal Tula over Sochi and I'll tell you something that was a bit of a that's a surprise because we did think that Sochi just might with the amount of players that they had uh, might be able to just hold on to that but of course uh, we're going to have a chat with Andrew Flint very very shortly about that because it was the first big derby of the weekend was played and he was there following it for us okay uh, we're also going to have a look at the momentous defeat of Liverpool by Watford yes is it game on in the English Premier League is the league fight once again on? 
Uh, no, it's not. It definitely isn't. Uh, Liverpool need four games to win the league, um, and they'll do that. They have like they have ten to go. Okay, in part three, we're going to speak more Mo. Of course, that means Mo Farrow with Louise Carrer, and also if Tokyo twenty twenty will actually go ahead or not. In part four, Alex B. He's joining us from Canada to talk, ta- tell, I should say, the tall tale of the XFL. In part five, our legal legal Isil Cody. She's going to talk Tyson Fury and a lot, lot more besides. And in part six. We have Andrew Flint back with us for Capital Punishment. Now, folks, of course, the KHL is also in the playoff stage, the first round of the playoffs, the uh, round of eight. We're going to have a look at that a little bit later on as well. But, of course, the Russian Premier League roared back. Well, I I say stumble or roared, whatever. But basically, um, big results of the weekend. Siska couldn't get over Ural this weekend. It ended in a 1-1 draw. That has severely kicked this guy back just a couple of places. Um, Zenit were unable to beat uh, Lokomotiv, so good nil-nil draw for the Moscow side up in St. Pete's yesterday. Uh, Dinamo, they went down 2-0 to Spartak. Um, a bit of a surprise there because we did think that Dinamo just might have a bit of momentum to keep them uh, going. So right now with the results as they stand, it is Zenit out on top. By eight points ahead of Krasnodar. Krasnodar had a fine win this weekend. Krasnodar is second place. They are on 48 points. Uh, sorry, 38 points. Rostov are in third on 35. They drew this weekend. Of course, Siska we mentioned earlier. They are also on 35 points. And Lokomotiv on 35 as well. So it's getting very, very tight at the top. Now, Spartak, with that win, have just stepped ahead of Dinamo. They're on 25 points. Dinamo in 10th place now on 24. Sochi dropping those three points today. If they'd held on for a point, they would have been just a step closer to Krylia Sovetov. But of course, now they are four points behind the Samara side in 16th position. Okay, over in the English Premier League, as I mentioned already, one of the big, big shocks of this weekend. I think one that took us all by surprise. Um, Not the Everton 1-1 draw and the red card for the Everton coach after the game. Uh, Everton, of course, drew 1-1 with Man United uh, today. Uh, Nor that well, kind of not surprising loss for Spurs 3-2 against Wolverhampton Wanderers. That also happened today. Chelsea, of course, uh, getting, well, I could say a decent draw 2-2 away to Bournemouth yesterday. West Ham getting a much-needed win 3-1 over Southampton. But, of course, Watford beating Liverpool 3-0. I mean, that was just, that. I think that surprised everybody. The talking heads were thinking, what was going on? So, after after 18 Premier League wins, okay, um, Liverpool just like collapse and uh, lose three 0 So I don't know. It, is it game on? I don't know. I really don't know because it looks like four, three, four more wins and Liverpool have the league one. So I'm going to ask Mr. Andrew Flint. Andrew, before we speak about the Russian Premier League, um, does that open a door for Man City who have a game in hand over Liverpool? Andrew Flint. Uh, I was just asking, Andrew, that does uh, that loss yesterday for Liverpool, does that open the door at all for Man City? Or, like, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. I'm being very sarcastic. But uh, what, what do you reckon? I mean, does, does that show a bit of a chink in the arm? Because, of course, Liverpool lost uh, the week before last in the Champions League as well. Well, I would love to pile on the misery in the short term, but I think we both know full well that it's it's not even close to the door being open. I mean, just the, the 22 points is, is a ridiculous gap at any stage of any season. Um, no, it's absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I mean, it's, it was always going to come. A defeat was going to come at some point, but um, no, the tightest just ends. And like we've known on Capital Sports, it has been for the last three, four months. Well, listen, we called it in October. 
We called in October, and I think we did. That's 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 done and dusted. Right um, now, let's 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 come back home for the moment. Now, you were, of course, you were covering games this weekend. Um, that was a very good result for Ural um, up in in Moscow, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, going into the game, Ural had never beaten CSKA. They'd lost 11 in 13 previous meetings. And they found some sort of defensive stability in recent weeks. If you go back to before the winter break, they had about three or four clean sheets in the five games before the winter break. And it looks like they were going to hold out again because we know that CSKA have problems breaking down these low low block defensive teams. Um but, yeah, it's still a very good result for, for Ural. Um, more important matters coming up midweek in the Russian Cup, really, for Ural. So it was an added bonus. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, getting that point, I mean, they're, they're now sitting nicely up in sixth place in the league. Um, they're 10 points off Loco, so it's going to be hard for them to, to, to chase down an automatic European place through the league. But, as you mentioned, they have the cup still there. Um that was a bit of a surprise that that two 0 win for Spartak away at Dynamo because I mean did you ex- did you see that coming? Mm. No, not really. Um, I thought it was going to be a fairly attritional draw because you know when Tedesco made noises when he first took over um, back in the autumn that he's look this is going to take time. I've got to build it up, and we know he's a defensive coach, coach inherently. But I have to be honest, it was an absolute master plan from Spartak. They they really they played absolutely perfectly. Um, Alexander Kral in midfield for me was man of a match because he allowed Zelenham Bakayev and Roman Zobnin to push further forwards. And it worked an absolute treat. Um, I mean, Dinamo did hit the, hit the woodwork twice from Komlichenko and they had some chances, but Spartak looked, um, they looked very, very well prepared. I mean, that, that is the one thing. You look at the, the players who were playing yesterday, and of course, uh, as you said, you know, Zobnin getting his name on the score sheet. I mean, uh, a bit, well, I guess, not making uh, Dinamo fans not very, very happy. But at the same time, um, looking at the fact that now they, they scored in both halves, uh, they, they were a very, very well-drilled team. I mean, they, they really you know, took Dinamo apart at times. Mm. Um, but it, was it a case that Dinamo maybe just froze on the day or that they, sort of, they, they lost a bit of meant they had before the winter break? No, I don't think they really froze. I mean, the beginning of the game, the first half, they were the more energetic side and um, Clinton and G was all over the place uh, in a positive way. You know, he was he was really getting involved in the game, but he just couldn't finish to save his life. That was his problem. Um, I mean, they Spartak are going to become a different side from what we've seen them before, the sort of glorious failures. I think they're going to go the other way, perhaps slightly less glorious, but... Yes. Ingrained in them to defeat. Um, I think they're going to be more professional now. So um, yeah, it was. I don't think Dynamo throws. They just came up against a better prepared side, basically. Okay, I mean that 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 that, that is a, a fair point. Um, of course, the other big game of the weekend was uh, Loco against uh, Zenith. So I mean, uh, up up in St. Pete's. I mean that 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 almost could have sealed the title for Zenith had they won. It was a little, little draw. Um, do you think that maybe weather or maybe, maybe just kind of, um, you know, kind of this feeling of feeling the way back into football after the winter break, it, it costs any a little bit? 
Yeah, possibly. Um, having no Juba or Ausmoon in the starting lineup makes quite a big difference to their team. But you know, that, it's a bit silly to start making excuses about players available when you have a squad with the wealth of talent that Zanit have. They did have Malcolm back, and he's been very, very good in preseason friendly. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I think it was. <coughs> pardon me. So I think it was a a slightly nervous performance, perhaps from Zenit. But again, there's no pressure on them. There's no European football. Yes, they've got the Russian Cup to come up um, uh, this week as well. But the title, like we said, is they're going to have to work hard to lose the title. Um, but you know, the gap is closed. So who knows? Yeah, that that is true. I mean, but I, again, like it, it's very hard to see anybody catching Zenit because, of course, next week. You know, yeah. l- looking at how it's going to work out, okay, aside from the Cup, I mean, Zenit then, they are at home against Ufa, so you'd fancy Ufa to, to, to get that win, unless I'm very, very much mistaken. They, they, Zenit should be putting three points up on the board, shouldn't they? Well, you'd think so, yeah. Um, I didn't think really we need to read too much into most of the results this weekend so far, because, like, like you say, the uh, Ufa... Yeah, were workmanlike, but again showing very, very little threat um, going forwards. Yes, it was way to cross it up, very, very strong side. But I don't think you need to worry too much. Um, I think that, I think actually the the Russian Cup is going to be very interesting. We've got the another Moscow derby, of course, with um, Spartak and Tiskar, um fighting it out for the right to play Ordal. Yeah, in the final. <laughs> there you go. That's what could be happening. Okay. Um, Sticking with the Russian Premier League right now, because of course, um, with that game is still going on between Man City, it's still two one. Yeah, it's still two one. Um, we, of course, we have the new title sponsor, uh, Tinkoff, uh, Tinkoff Bank of the Russian Premier League. Um, now, we, we didn't really go into this before, like before it was announced. So, do you think that this is good that it's now a branded league that it's no longer so this uh, redheaded stepchild um, that a lot of people really don't really like, as in the Russian Premier League, because now it has a, a proper outside sponsor. I think it's actually quite a positive deal. Um, it's, I don't think you should read too much into the whole marketing blurb, you know, when you have the announcement. Um, you know, they, but it, if, you, if you look at it, it's not a betting company. I think that's positive. Yes, there's still quite a lot of um, gambling um, advertising in Russian football, in the Russian Cup. Um, the Faniel is sponsored by Olympet. Um, but I think Tinkoff's branding is, is relatively bright, clear. It's, I think it's, it's not a bad thing. You know, when you've got the new trophy, you've got the new broadcasting deal on YouTube for um, watchers outside Russia. Uh, there's quite a few decent changes going on, and I think it's actually come at a reasonable time. Um, it should be should be decent for the profile of the league, I think. Yeah, I mean, because again, it does take money to try and push it out. And I mean, that you know, Tinkoff, they want to try and sell and want to expand as well. So why not? And sort of using English language as a, as a, as a weapon to, to develop the Russian Premier League is something that's been you know, long missing. I mean, you know, it, it's been quite terrible. Even though there are great people working within clubs who speak good enough English to promote Russian football around the world, but they're not being utilised. Okay, and we know that ourselves from interviewing here on the station. Um, uh, Andrew, just in terms of with the crowd yesterday, the best part of 25,000 people at the game, um, how, would you, how would you sort of, like, um, say, compare the atmosphere with other games that you've been to in the last couple of seasons? I have to say it was absolutely deafening. It was a fantastic atmosphere. The acoustics inside the VTB arena are just absolutely unbelievable. Um, I mean, Spartak fans, I would rate them and Lokomotiv fans 
loudest set of fans that I've experienced. Um, today, at Krasnodar Ufa, there was a very good attendance, surprisingly high attendance, over 30,000 um, to watch Ufa. It's not exactly a big draw, but the thing that struck me throughout was it was a very family atmosphere. The cheering was a sort of relatively innocuous. Yeah. Seemed to be... A little bit artificial almost, um, but the Moscow derby was just, uh, it was one of the best atmospheres I think I've, I've experienced um, the last couple of years at least. Now, you mentioned it with, with, with that game down in Krasnodar, but again, Krasnodar have that um, community draw, so it, it will probably take a while before the 13, mm. 14 year olds like are inducted into the country, not the ultra, but into sort of like hardcore fanatics. But do you think it's like from what I've seen, I remember a couple of seasons ago when Lokomotiv went down there and lost. The atmosphere from the fans was just terrific. They really, the, the Krasnodar public get behind their team like no other. For me, anyway, maybe not as as um, frightening a place to go play, but they really do back their, back their boys. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the best uh, best sign of that for me was in the UEFA Youth League a couple of years ago when they played against Real Madrid and they had Xavi and Ivan Matthias playing then and they sold out. Yeah. That's matching the record attendance for the UEFA Youth League. And it wasn't even in the late... It was the first knockout stage, I think it was, um, that season. So, I mean, you look at the facilities there, the pole park around the stadium, the, the stadium itself is immaculately designed. It's just so user-friendly. Everything is there. The transport links are brilliant. And it's not surprising why fans have latched onto Krasada, um especially since Kuban's demise. And I think it's it, in the long term the family atmosphere is going to pay dividends because those, like you say, those youngsters are going to turn into teenagers and young uh, young adults who are going to stay with the team and they'll have a build to relationship with them. So exactly, it's a very positive it's, it's story. A community club. Okay, we're going to go to the break right now. Andrew's going to stay in line with us and we'll come back to him in this part two to speak about English football. Uh, we're going to go to the break right now. We are spinning round, 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 round. This is Right Round with Flo Rida feature, featuring Keisha back with English football after this. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Get paid is maximum wage. That body belong on the 
Один из самых креативных хаос-диджеев Европы и идеолог вечеринок Masquerade. Headliner Clapton. Только 6 марта и только в рамках серии Very Special Music Sessions Clapton выступит на новой площадке на территории Бадаевского завода по адресу Кутузовский проспект 12, строение 1. Подробнее в соцсетях Capital FM. 18 Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed that little bit of a uh, going round and round and round. Of course, uh, we've got already a message in saying that, yeah, that was from a Hangover movie. Honestly, I don't remember which one, but I know it was at the end of the movie when they were looking at the photos. Um, Double N, do we have a final result in that game? Um, yeah, the stoppage time is still on and it's still 1-2 okay. for Manchester City. For Manchester City. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Thank you very, very much. Okay, we're going to go back to the phone right away to Mr. Andrew Flint. Okay, Andrew, we mentioned um, when you first came on with us about uh, the English Premier League being back on, but of course we know it's done and dusted <laughs> a long time ago. Um, that game today, how important is winning the League Cup for Man City? Of course, they're leading 2-1 as Double N, as you said. How important is it for City to win that trophy? Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I mean, they will they will like to win a trophy, obviously. That's the the, the obvious. But I don't think it will make much difference to their season. I mean, they end up with just cup trophy. That's a that's a poor season. Of course. The only really other than the league, Liverpool are so far ahead. Champions League is so much so much going on. So many teams in there that are better than them. I think. Um, I don't think I've them they have a right to win. So realistically, they won't like it. But it is kind of about their level when you've got Liverpool as, as your competitors in the Premier League. Now, of course, Liverpool lost uh, 3-0 to Watford. Watford now out of the relegation zone. West Ham, luckily, they won 3-1 yesterday as well. So they're 11 points for Watford, just ahead of them. Goal difference. Um, <clears throat> looking at the chasing teams, Man City have a game in hand on Liverpool. OK, putting that aside, this is a race for second. Um, Man City look to have tied up second place. Leicester, they're stumbling and fumbling. 
They're in third place. Uh, Chelsea are just all over the shop. They are in fourth place. United, as we sort of looked at, they're storming into fifth place. Um, if Man City are put out of Europe, that means Manchester United are in fourth place. So do you think that like United now have settled a little bit? I mean, they're, they're starting to, to make a bit of progress? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm always reluctant to go too far ahead of myself, but I mean, Bruno Fernandes has come in and he's slotted in very well so far. Um, again, I'm not going to say he's going to answer all our problems, but he is offering a bit more mobility in midfield. Um, he's got a bit quicker passing. He's got a knife goal. He's, um, I think that's not necessarily the final key, but it's a very important key to, to keeping the momentum going. And like you say, Chelsea is stumbling. Leicester uh, are stumbling as well. I think it, I think fourth place should be there for the taking if if United can just hold it together before the end of the season. Okay, I mean, because it, it does look like United have that little bit extra. They they went, um, of course, they played uh, Club Brugge during the week and gave them a farewell Tonkin. Uh, that uh, final score was five nil on the night, six one in aggregate. Um, I mean, United United are you know. They look like they're going to go well in Europe, especially now that Arsenal have gone out. Um, do you think that if United get a, a Europa League win or even get to the final, that's a good season for them? And of course, they're finishing fourth in the league as well. I'd absolutely say so. And um, it is in the long term. I don't think there's any shame in that because we know we've got to rebuild. We know we've got to um, catch up. There's a lot of catching up just to get up to City and Liverpool, just to be on a, a fighting field with them. So a Europa League win and fourth place would, I would say, gen- would genuinely be progress. And next season we should be moving on to challenging for more comfortably making top four. But a Europa League win is no is no mean feat with the teams that are still in it. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that would be a good season. I mean, a couple of years ago, of course, with Mourinho, he he won the Europa League and did very well in the English Premier League as well. And it wasn't good enough. Do you think that the the fans and the board will stand by their man, or are they going to uh, throw a, a rope around his neck and lynch him? Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure, to be honest. You know, there's so many voices that uh, have been violently against Solskjaer pretty much since day one. And everybody has been built into a thing where you have to think that Mauricio Pochettino is the answer. And I'm not saying he wouldn't be, but I, I'm honestly, I'm tall myself, really. A Europa League win does not answer the questions. We're not, we're not good. We're not, that's not good enough for us long term. We're not a Europa League team. We must be Champions League team. It's not arrogance. It's ambition. For a club our size, it's an absolute no-brainer. Um, so you know that's not it's not going to answer the question but I hope it buys if you know obviously presuming Manchester United are able to win the Europa League it should buy him some time um, so I would be in favour of that but I think it's it's honestly 50-50 it depends if Pochettino still um, is still interested or other people are interested too OK now next weekend of course on Sunday 7.30 Moscow time um, I think 7.30 Moscow time uh, man this the United City Derby Um United will will really want to put a nail in City's kind of a fictional title chase. Um, do you think that United should get that win? Um, well, recent record against Manchester City suggests probably not. Um, the League Cup semi-final second leg was a bit of a humbling. Um, but, you know, you know, this is the sort of game where <laughs> I'm sure the bookmakers will make Manchester City favourites and Solskjaer thrives in the games where Manchester United are underdogs, where they're expected to have less possession. It's still one of those anomalies I haven't yet to work out why he's 
he's, he's actually such a limited coach when he's in control. So actually, I think it might play into our hands. And I honestly would be reasonably confident of, of a result in this game because Manchester City know how much is at stake. And I mean, okay, fictionally, yes, I know. We, both, we all know, realistically, Liverpool are winning the title. Okay, uh, Double N, you have a final score uh, from the League Cup final? Yeah, Manchester City, the champion. So okay, so they've won the two winners, one. Yeah, okay. two one. Thank you, Dublin. That is goals by uh, Aguero and Rodri, and of course a, um, a a goal pulled back by Samata from uh, from Aston Villa. Okay, um, Andrew, just, just before, let's let's have a little bit of a look then um, broader in terms of with the English clubs. Of course, the Champions League was on. Not a, not a great time for the English clubs. Um, Atletico Madrid beating Liverpool 1-0 which a lot of people were disappointed with that Uh, Leipzig winning 1-0 in Tottenham and it could have been an awful lot more Chelsea just getting battered uh, 3-0 this week Um, I actually watched that in Germany uh, by Bayern Munich Um, and Man City of course getting that great win great win against 10-man Real Madrid Uh, they won 2-1 of course away from home Um, looking at the second legs I mean you, you What's your, can, can Liverpool, can they overcome that? Because, uh, of course, it's uh, played in, um, I think it's next week. No, next week. Sorry, it's next week. Do you think Liverpool, they can overcome that that deficit against uh, Atletico? Yeah, absolutely. I think they can. They've got the one of the best. I've said uh, on the show before uh, that I think they're the best side in the world at the moment. And losing 3-0 to Watford doesn't change that. I still think they are. So they ha- they are playing, on the other hand, though, Atletico Madrid, Diego Simeone's defensive masterclass. So they will have to earn it. Um, and uh, one Atletico away goal, and it really changes the complexion. But I think Liverpool will be able to win that one. I think they will go through. Um, but I'm not so sure about um, Spurs and Chelsea, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Spurs, I mean, they're away now with Leipzig against Red Bull. 1-0 down, that looks like a bit of a trashing for them. Um, okay, so uh, away from that, uh, Andrew, well, look at the, 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 uh, of course, <laughs> the, the UEFA League. Luckily, Andy Mack isn't here. Probably one of the reasons he's not here. Uh, Celtic absolutely blew the chance to beat Copenhagen, or Copenhagen uh, at home. They lost 3-1 at home. It was an absolute comedy of errors for them. Uh, losing 4-2 on aggregate. So that's that's a huge blow for, for Celtic because Copenhagen are really a team that should be getting past, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should be, really, I'll be honest. Um, uh, yeah, it, it is a very disappointing result. I mean, um, Copenhagen have done very, very little in Europe, even though they are flooded with money um, domestically. They, they're they the powerhouses, certainly financially, so it's no surprise to see them you know, still progressing in Europe, but Celtic should be I'll put it this way, if they are not disappointed by beating Copenhagen, what on earth are they doing? That means they're a very average Europa League side and they should be much better than that. Talking about average league and of course average Europa League size, Arsenal going down 2-1 at home to Olympiacos losing on away goals. Again, they, they blew that. They absolutely blew it. It was it was a it, again it was another kind of like one of those games they should have and could have won it, but they just didn't seem to have the, the self belief maybe. Yeah, it was very strange. Um, Aubameyang's goal was absolutely outstanding. Um, but Olympiascus, one of those sides, I just cannot understand why so many teams have trouble against them. Away from home, admittedly, they, they do have a ferocious atmosphere um, in Perez. But, I mean, home Arsenal have got to have more confidence about them. They've got the players who've got the swagger when they're on form. Aubameyang has been a very consistent scorer, one of the most consistent scorers in England for the last few years. Um, you know, he, he puts his goal away, but 
there, there's a mental weakness there, I think, at Arsenal. And I'm not sure how long it's going to take to, to recover from it, but um, it'll take some time by the looks of it. Yeah, it does seem to be a bit strange. It seems to be lacking. Um, Wolves, of course, they went out against Espanyol. No, no embarrassment there. They went out 6-3 on aggregate. Um, Rangers going through, so to kind of rub salt into the Celtic fans' wounds, uh, winning 4-2 against Braga overall, 1-0 on the night away. Um, looking ahead, uh, of course, the draw was made, of course, for the next round um, of the uh, the Europa League. You have Rangers playing Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Wolves, I should say, Wolves went through. They are playing Olympiakos. And then you've got Man United against Lask of Austria, Linz. Um, would you be confident that you, you're going to get past that? I I would be. I'm not going to say it's going to be a stroll in the park. You've got to remember that Lask are top of the Austrian league ahead of Red Bull Salzburg. Um, yes, um, Red Bull Salzburg have lost um, Haaland and Minamino to Liverpool, but they still uh, they still have an incredibly promising scouting base. So if Linz are ahead of them in the league, then they cannot be. There can't be any much. So. Um, I do think United should be able to beat them, though, because it's not a strenuous journey either. I know it's a small thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, and I mean, they, 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 they to Turkey or to Pakistan. Yeah, they have a uh, Red Bull midweek uh, on Thursday in the semi-final of the Austrian Cup. So I guess that will sort of lead in. They have another league game, of course, before they play United. So that's it'll be interesting to see how they, how they can sort of improve or, or progress before they, they uh, play United. Um, Andrew, so last, last little couple of things. Um, with the, the, the inclement weather, of course, we've seen games postponed and cancelled and so on. The, of course, the, most of the Man City. There's also, that we're going to speak about a bit later on, the coronavirus issue. Um uh, you know, teams, for example, uh, in Italy, because of course we, we saw a very, very serious outbreak in Italy. Um, do you think that this could, I hate to say the word, spread in, in terms of that it's going to affect, say, the English Premier League, especially when there's European football involved? Oh, it's a tough one, really. I mean, we know that. Uh huh. There's a lot of money riding on them, and it's people prefer not to rearrange pictures unless you have to. But it, this is a serious issue; you cannot overlook it. And I think one thing that people overlook: I've seen a load of load of tweets going out on social media saying, "Well, this is the number of, of fatalities from coronavirus comparing it to other more supposedly less violent diseases." Well, you've got to remember the reason why that figure is that is that low because people are taking precautions. So you should never be mocked if the decision is made to say, "Right, we're going to postpone." Um, I'm, I'm I'm not sure. It, it depends how it spreads. I mean, I hope that the health authorities in in the UK have got a better control over it than than other countries certainly have. So, um, if we can, that would be that would be good. But if they have to postpone, I'm all behind that. Yeah, I mean, because they're also it looks like the um, well, though tomorrow the Ireland Italy rugby game, the Six Nations game, will be played in Dublin uh, next weekend. That that'll be cancelled as well. So, you know, because of fans travelling, so on and so forth. So there is a bit of uh, nervousness around that. Because if you look at uh, Juve, they Leon will have to go to play in Juve, and the French authorities are speaking about it, which, which is why I asked um, because a lot of the the uh, French. Authorities say, well, we don't want our fans going to uh, Torino. Same thing with Spanish fans who have to go to Milan uh, uh, in, in a couple of weeks' time to uh, the, or sorry, yeah, the Gaddafi fans have to go to Milan. So there's, I don't know, it looks a little bit, I don't know, people are very, very, very uneasy, or very, very uneasy around. I found actually in Europe this week traveling, it was you know, quite a bit of, um, you know, 
questions and eyebrows being raised. Uh, Andrew, finally, before we let you go away and to grab a cup of tea before you come back on for Capital Punishment, um, final thoughts on, on the opening weekend of the Russian Premier League. Um, do you think, in terms of attendance, it seems to have risen slightly. Um, do you think that the, the, the Russian yep. fans are going to get back out in, in numbers into the stadium? I think I think they will. We've had some blockbuster fixtures. We've got more to come. We've got Russian Cup coming along as well, which you know is more fixtures in a row. Um, I think I think the Russian Premier League needs a few shock results, and I'm not saying there's any drawing as a shock result, but just anything to give a little hint that there might be a title race, uh, and we we could see even more. Um, so I think it's been overall a relatively positive open weekend, despite the high number of draws. Um, so I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. It should be um, very very interesting to see how teams cope with pressure. Excellent. Okay. Thank you very much, Andrew. We'll talk with you at the end of the show for our Capital Punishment. Okay, folks, we are going to get to the break right now. Um, going to liven up the spirits a wee bit. This is Bob Sinclair and Dollar Man and Rock This Party. We're back with Louise Carraher and more Mo Farah after the break. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Tell me want to see everybody on move. Dan Shalino, got a man coming at you. We just want to pick up QTB. Bob Sinclair, it's a dance thing, you see me? Somewhere just bounce up. Yeah. Let's go, let's go! 
Сейчас не об этом. Давай по тексту. Следующий смартфон тоже. И разблокировать его можно с помощью моего лица. Разблокируешь первым, подарю лично. Предложение не является публичной оферой. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. I am Alan Moore and Double N, he is going to get Louise Carroll on the phone in just one moment. Before we go all the way to Ireland, uh, we just want to, well, we very rarely do, um, uh, let's say, you know, shout outs. We will shout out to Irish because uh, he has an exam tomorrow. Um, very, very best of luck with that. Um, and thank you for tuning in, of course, this evening. You should be studying, but we'll, we'll allow you away because I know that like our dulcet tones are sort of like our smooth vibes. We're um, helping you get uh, the uh, facts all in order in your head. So, we're going to move on because, of course, there was a huge, huge, huge kind of uproar a number of times over one Mo Farah. He is the Knight of the Realm and, of course, uh, it's, it, we're going to go through the story a little bit with Louise Carraher, but it's something that I think that we've covered quite in depth on the show. Um, this is a guy who also forgets a lot of things. He's involved with a lot of doctors who forget to note what they've given and injections and all that sort of stuff. And he seems to get away with it because he's not Russian. Now, I mean, that's a good question to ask anybody. Why is he not been pulled over the coals? Why is the doctor for the English football team, he's been already there a couple of years, um, why is he not been pulled over the coals as well? Because, I mean, uh, when a question, when hands were raised in a press conference in, in St. Petersburg, um, and a Russian journalist said, sorry, about jo- Dr. Uh, Rob, Chak for Tart, uh, Chak, oh well, I'll say it in a moment. Dr. Rob, the for- forgetful Dr. Rob, when the question was asked, why is he not being sanctioned? Because he hasn't, you know, noted down the medicine, medicine, quite strong medicine, he's injected into athletes. English journalists shouted him down. So this is kind of what we have to deal with where we're saying that it's sometimes a bit unfair. And of course, we always try to, per- per- you know, present both sides. We know that there's idiots here who are involved in this and uh, in doping. We know there's idiots everywhere. Um, but then there's one person who seems to be a bigger idiot than most that he forgets and then kind of has to go back in his own story. And um, here to tell us a little bit about it is, of course, our athletics guru, Louise Carver. Louise, welcome back. And how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, thanks. That panorama cheered me right up. <laughs> yeah, I think it cheers all up. I actually watched it, um, <clears throat> excuse me, during night, actually in Dublin, uh, late night, I think it was on when, Friday night? Yeah, I think it was on Friday night, uh, or excuse me, Thursday night, uh, sort of a, a rerun of it. And do you know what? Overall, looking at this BBC uh, TV programme, the Panorama programme, it didn't really reveal much else. It just sort of contradicted a lot of what uh, Mo Farah himself had been saying. 
Yeah, I suppose it's just kind of further information about, um, you know, his inability to remember simple things or possibly, you know, more nefarious is he lying to cover up certain things and also um, some more information about um, Alberto Salazar, the man who turned him from seventh in the world, unable to make Olympic final to a 10-time world yeah. a gold medalist. And um, I suppose it also raised some very serious questions for me about the role of UK athletics and the role of UK anti-doping. And are we looking at some complicity of those two organisations in, in this story as well? How, how could we make them, how could they be complicit in this though? I mean, how could their role be involved in um, one man's sort of, let's just say, uh, amazing explosion of uh, career growth quite late on in his career? Well, I mean, if you take um, Barry Fudge, for example, he is the head of UKA, uh, um, the endurance athletes, um, but he seems to have acted as a drugs mule in this scenario. And we know um, it was confirmed to Matt Lawton that his flights to Switzerland to pick up the injectable L-carnitine were funded by UK Athletics, therefore funded by the UK taxpayer. Oh, so this is state-sponsored um, drug trafficking or uh, state-sponsored doping? It, you know, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably state-sponsored doping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, um, a lot of the times there's no need for this because they have private sponsors, they have big companies who are doing it, or they, you know, they, they raise their own funds. But uh, this, there is a definite line from government all the way through to um, athletes. Um, with Mo Farrell, what, what, can you, what can you tell us about the whole situation around him and how did he catch himself out in that interview with the, the Times of London? Um, I suppose, you know, he was asked um, on, well, he was asked by um, USADA investigators, first of all, on 10 separate occasions about the L-carnitine injection. They asked him 10 specific questions and his answers were absolutely not and 100% no. Um, he then left the interview room and he bumped into Barry Fudge, his friend and drugs mule. And um, Barry said, no, I've already told them that you did have that injection. Oh. Room and seems to expect us to believe that he said to them, you know those 10 times you asked me if I took an L-carnitine injection and I said no? Well, actually, I forgot that I did take four of those injections two days before the London Marathon, and I'm here to now tell you the truth. Um, so I suppose, I mean, I, I imagine that four injections two days before a marathon would stick in someone's mind, but maybe if you're taking a huge number of other injections, you could easily forget. That's it. Maybe he just doesn't even think about what he puts into his body. Maybe, but, you know, strict liability would say that that's not a defence and that you are responsible for everything that's in your body, regardless of how it got there. Well, I guess it goes back to the fa the kind of the, the hoary chestnut of athletes having to know what they're being given, what they're taking, because a lot of athletes, footballers, for example, don't ask questions. They're handed a shake, don't drink that shake, and they drink it. I mean, we, it's been throughout history or, you know, me and Brady speaking about, oh, we were just given this, like, um, this basically a juice to drink before we went to train with the Juventus and it made them all run around faster. So, you know, there are all these kind of like very strange nuances that a lot of athletes aren't that clever and I don't think Mo seems to be the brightest uh, tool in the woodshed. It, it wouldn't appear that way. And with Salazar, we seem to have a long history of him giving athletes or his own children um, substances and then testing them. So um, what we learned in Panorama, which was a totally new piece of information, 
um, was about an, an athlete called Ari Lambie. And um, when she was just about to be dropped by the Nike Oregon Project, um, Salazar asked her to take um, an unknown substance and then to provide him with urine samples. She's never been able to find out what that substance was, but she assumed, um, as did most of the people watching the program, that he was testing her urine to see how much of the sample, uh, you know, how much of the substance was... Was in her system... The very famous, yeah. now very famous case of Steve Magness uh-huh. um, being infused with L-carnitine, 10 times the WADA limit for infusions. Um, and also we have, in 2009, um, Salazar testing testosterone on his own children. Um, and he claims that this was because he was very worried about sabotage. Um, but we also have in the USADA Reason decision um, in 2008, we have an athlete who was working at Nike called Danny Mackey. Um, who went to Dr. Brown and Dr. Brown wanted to put him on a course of testosterone therapy. And when uh, Danny Mackey said, oh, I don't think I can do that. I'm a professional athlete. Um, he was told, this is what Alberto Salazar's athletes do and they haven't gotten caught. You'll be okay. And that's a direct quote from the USADA Reason decision. So we're right. looking at, you know, you can talk about L-carnitine and unknown substances, um, but there's also, you know, very clear evidence that he, that Salazar was testing testosterone on his own children. Right. Right, how to microdose. So, um, okay. Now, okay. we also know from a number of ex um, yeah. Mike Corrigan Project athletes that, um, that Mo Farah was considered to be in the inner circle of Alberto Salazar's Nike Oregon project so that him and Galen Rupp were kind of elevated and given special treatment even within that project. Okay, so they were they were getting preferential treatment from, from the headman himself. Um, just two small things. Just um, if you can elaborate for our listeners, uh, Mimeon will have heard or even maybe used L-carnitine, but can you, can you tell us first, what is L-carnitine, how does it work, what, and, and how useful is it? And secondly, what is microdosing? Um, well, L- L-carnitine is, uh, I think it's an amino acid, although chemistry was never... <laughs> no, you're correct, point, it is an amino acid, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I know when, he te- when um, Salazar tested on Steve Magness, um, he... Uh-huh. ...to complete a treadmill test to exhaustion, both before and after the infusion, and he noticed huge performance gains. Um, gains so big, in fact, they prompted him, they prompted Salazar to email Lance Armstrong and say, I found this wonder substance and unbelievably it's legal. Um, so it seems to have, you know, a big performance, performance boost. And that's what Salazar was always looking for with all of the tests that he was performing. And um, microdosing, I suppose, is, is using an amount that won't show up in, in any of WADA's tests or any of your, um, your country's anti-doping tests. So keeping, if it's testosterone, keeping below that magic uh, four to one ratio. Uh-huh. Um, or if it's EPO, keeping your blood within that normal range of variability. So um, Salazar seems to, you know, have a, a great interest in this. And, you know, from his tests on his own sons and from Ari Lambie and Steve Magnet, he's very interested in the before and after tests and how much what he gives will affect. And and, 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 and small amount. And when that didn't show up, he, he doubled the amount of testosterone he gave them and tested them again. So he seems to be very interested in those results. Okay. All right, let's, let's, let's continue moving on. So with Salazar, um, this weekend, of course, the, um, the U.S. Athletics, the marathon um, championship qualifiers for the, the Olympics uh, were on. Uh, was Salazar still knocking around? Um, there were rumours. I think Let's Run was, um, was heating up about 
possible sightings of men in hats and very blurry photos taken from a distance <laughs> that he may have been there and questioning. You know, he has been Galen Rupp's coach since uh, Galen was 14. Galen, of course, was second on numerous occasions to Mo Farah. And um, there are serious uh, concerns that he may be still involved, despite his ban, with uh, Galen Rupp's program. Okay, so basically he's still supporting this top US athlete. Uh, leading us on to that for the Olympics, um, uh, Louise, the, with, with the coronavirus outbreak and, and the uh, complications surrounding it, um, what, what are the chances that there actually won't be an Olympics in Tokyo uh, next year? I, do, I don't know. It's starting to look you know, more and more likely that there may not be. Um, it would be very interesting to have a bunch of athletes on lockdown in an Olympic hotel being forced to provide blood samples. I think we might find a lot more than coronavirus if that were to happen. <laughs> Well, that is an interesting, that is quite interesting. Uh, Louise, um, continue on with that, just back, back on to, to Mo right now. I mean, what seems to be the consequences? Has there been any calls for his head in, in British media? Or what, what's, what's the kind of the general uh, feeling at the moment within the athletics community and within the sports media in the UK? Um, there has been a lot of calls for um, UK athletics to reopen their investigation into um, Mo Farah and Mo's links with Alberto. Uh-huh. Um, but it seems similar enough to the Jiffy Bag story. It seems if you don't record anything, um, which good old Dr. Rob didn't do in this case, um, there's very little they can find. We have to trust now that the information that Dr. Rob is providing that says, oh, well, we were well, well under that WADA limit. That's the only information we have. And um, I found something interesting today, actually, um, in relation to dodgy records around L-carnitine infusions. Um, another athlete, uh, Dahan Ritzenhain, an American athlete, um, he was also given infusions of L-carnitine, and he asked for a copy of his medical records, which he got. And his copy had no information about the amount or how it was uh, infused, but the copy that was provided to USADA during Alberto Salazar's um, case did have that it was 45 milliliters, which is five milliliters under the water limit. And the, uh, the general consensus is that that information was doctored after the fact to make it appear below the water limit. So basically he was given more, but they presented the official legal document that he it was... It looks like on, on both sides of the... Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, that, that's, that's quite an interesting one. Um, also, with, with that situation at the moment, I mean, um, within the UK, I mean, should, are there calls now for in general that this whole like the whole funding model has been set up that maybe UK athletics and UCAD are, uh, UCAD are completely not fit for purpose like uh, it, will anything happen is because a lot of a lot of um, actually sports leaders shall we say the likes of Damien Collins the MP they were calling for heads to roll but as you've seen with uh, British Cycling with Team Sky now Team Ineos this, this just seems to drag on, drag on, and nothing seems to happen. So do you think this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back so close to the Olympics? Um, I would love if that were the case, but I think, um, as usually happens, you know, Dr. Rob has moved on to a cushy position within the FA. Of course. Chairperson and, you know, the athletes and whatever, the coaches and whatever was going on behind the scenes will probably just keep rolling on. Um, I'd like to think I'm wrong and that this could be the start of uh, Cleaning House, which I think Tony Minincello asked for in the Panorama documentary. But uh, at the moment, I, I don't see that happening.
Now, of course, Tony I mentioned... think people are still looking to the, our good old phrase of, you know, never fail the test. But that's the whole thing. And that's enough for, for most people. I mean, Tony Minichello's is is better known as the coach of, well, many decathletes and heptathletes, of course, uh, Jessica Hill, who has links to a certain Mr. Rochenkov, Dr. Rochenkov. Do you think that there's a lot of now kind of um, coaches want to get ahead of massive problems that come in, in, in advance so they could be seen as being holier than thou and basically to avoid any sanctions of their own? Um, I, I, I'm not sure, but I don't think... Yeah. British Athletics putting my head above the parapet, uh, <laughs> which is what he appears to be doing at the moment. So, um, you know, whether it's self-preservation or not, you know, we still have to applaud him for doing it because everyone else has stayed very, very silent on this topic. Okay, well, no, that is that is very very fair. And it all, again, you know, it all six wanted to to uh, kick out kick kick a stone out of the dam. Uh, finally, Louis, before I let you go, um, Liverpool slipped up yesterday. Um, didn't have a great time in Madrid, but you do you, do you reckon that they're on the road to a, a treble now? Um, no, I I think just the the Premier League title will do very much, and if coronavirus could could uh, keep away from getting the rest of the season cancelled. That would be great because they've never won it in my lifetime, and I'm really hoping that's about to change. And it could be the case that the coronavirus could actually cancel things. Where we were just speaking with Andrew Flint just a few minutes ago that it could be cancelled, but fingers crossed. No, listen, Luis, thank you very, very much. And again, we've 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 called Liverpool are going to win the Premier League no matter what, so we'll we'll give it to them, we'll award them. So listen, thank <laughs> you, thank you very very much for for giving us your time and for a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant elaboration on, on, on the whole situation with uh, Mo Farah and, of course, Ukraine athletics. Thank you, Lise. Have a great week. Have a great week ahead. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Back soon. Okay, that was Louise Carr. We're going into the break right now with the score and legend. We're coming back after the break with Alex B and his report from the other side of the Atlantic. Talk to you in a minute. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. <laughs> 